Welcome to Fin10, the podcast about fintechs that takes 10 minutes or less. I am your host, Josh Herman, the CEO of CU Digital One. CU Digital One is a credit union service organization, or a CUSO, and is a holding company focusing on three forward-looking verticals, blockchain, digital investment solutions, and artificial intelligence. For more information, connect with me on LinkedIn or send an email to info, that's I-N-F-O, at cudigitalone.com. And I'm very excited about uh, today's guest, uh, Larry Press. We'll talk about his background here in a second, but Larry's one of my absolute favorite people um, from not just from a work perspective, but, but we also share a lot of a lot of similar interests. Um, so it's very exciting for me to have him on the FinTen podcast today. Um, so let's give a little little intro here. Um, so Larry is the managing director of digital assets advisory services and emerging technologies at SRM, that's strategic resource management an independent firm that helps financial institutions identify cost savings and new revenue potential in their contractual relationships. An expert in the payments industry, Larry's central role at SRM is as a digital asset and blockchain emerging technologies, card optimization and revenue enhancement strategist for financial institutions in both the USA and Canada. His background includes work with the National Bank of Canada, where he served as head of cards payments and transactional solutions. He previously served as senior managing director of credit cards and loan revenue for Profit Insight and as senior vice president of portfolio analytics for Bank of America. Larry offers significant expertise in digital assets, blockchain, emerging technologies, analytics, consulting, payments, loyalty marketing, and portfolio acquisition with a proven track record of developing new products, increasing revenues, and improving operate, operating efficiency he has helped numerous companies boost profitability by driving growth and negotiations. Other clients with whom he has worked with include Royal Bank of Kennedy, Banco Popular, Scotia Bank, and MBNA. Wow, what a resume, Larry! Welcome to the FinTen Podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Kind of forgot about all of those. Hey, uh, c- congratulations on your launch with CU Digital One and, and your FinTen Podcast. I've listened to a bunch of those and. Uh, I love the format. I love the 10 minutes. I don't know how I would ever be able to stick to 10 minutes, but uh, I'm sure you'll keep me on task. Awesome. If we go over the 10 minutes, um, I'm, I'm totally good with that. And so for the listeners listeners out there, we are going to do things a little bit different today. Um, so Money 2020 took place a couple of weeks ago, and Larry was actually on site at the event um, and, and attended several days there. Um, he was actually there when he was a panelist on our webinar with Vice Chairman Kyle Hoffman around credits and custodians. Um, and, and Larry gave some insights during that webinar about what he was seeing there. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to, to bring him on the podcast. Um, and, and Larry, with your expertise and insights, I was hoping to turn the floor over to you. Um, I'm going to go on mute here and just have you share some of your thoughts and takeaways from the event, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. No, appreciate that. And um, yeah, I mean, I it's a, it's a great event. It's obviously uh, financial technologies, and then there's a lot of financial institutions that attend it. I think there was 15,000 people there in Las Vegas. Um, I There's no way to attend all the conferences because there's multiple ones going on at any given time. But I, I sat in on at least 16 of them, and then I spent a lot of time visiting you know, with different booths and different vendors out on the floor. And kind of my key takeaways were a couple, and I'll just I'll keep it high level, and then we'll see if there are questions. But you know, I was I was uh, impressed with the fact that there is still a lot of conversation around digital assets, blockchain, and obviously being technology focused, there was a lot around artificial intelligence. And 
Um, a lot of conversations around how legislators are approaching all of those, um, and, and a lot of similarities between them too, because you know, legislators, I think, struggle to understand uh, digital assets and blockchain, just as they kind of struggling to understand AI, but they are getting up to speed on it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about using AI in the financial sector around uh, risk compliance, AML, enhanced transaction monitoring, account decisioning, uh, client engagement, hyper-personalization. Um, the, the crypto digital asset stuff, really exciting that after you know almost two years of setbacks, looks like it's making a big comeback with a, a lot of large, heavily regulated industries entering that space. So we had PayPal's rollout of stablecoin, uh, PYUSD, uh, BlackRock's interest in an uh, electronic trading fund, EFT. Uh, City announced their uh, tokenized collateral network. JP Morgan has something similar with, with their Onyx division. Uh, a lot of announcements from Circle, the stablecoin with further adoption around the world. And then I've been real interested lately in uh, trials of the regulated liability network. So seeing a lot of things there with the finally seeing the promise of cheaper, faster, 24-7, 365 final settlement, you know, that ability to, to reduce settlement and counterparty risks and you know, providing a way to patch together a national commerce. So that, that was kind of around the, the digital assets, blockchain and intelligence. There was a lot of conversation around banking access and financial inclusion. So, you know, Congress and regulatory bodies are very much focused on fairness, inclusion, equity in financial services. Um, there were a lot of discussions around how to serve banking deserts, address underbanked customers, reduce fees. Uh, the C CFPB, someone from the CFPB was there talking about their increased role in pushing for open banking that should be coming in. I think they're going to finalize those rules in 2024 with a rollout in early 2025 with a, with rollout for each financial institution, you know, kind of depending on size, but being anywhere from a six month to four year rollout. But that what that means is financial institutions are going to have to make, you know, their consumer data available at the request of the consumer to other third parties like you know financial um, service providers, fintechs and whatnot. Um, then we also saw a lot of interest and conversations around self-directed investing products, which which I think fits nicely, Josh, with the the thesis of uh, CU Digital One and that kind of that focus on self-directed investing, blockchain, AI. But the self-directed investing products, um, there was someone there kind of launching a, a, a new solution. Um, obviously, there's a number of solutions in the market, including Echo Investments, Fusion, Fusion IQ. But the gal that talked, um, she was saying that at least for the, the large banks, you know, they were seeing 1.4, 1.5 billion being transferred annually to, you know, investing solutions like Robinhood, Acorns, Wellbull. Well, well and you know those outflows are largely from millennials and Gen Z, like eighty percent of them. So they, you know, a lot of there's a lot of focus on you know embedding in like an investment app within kind of a traditional banking uh, scenario. So to provi to provide kind of to you know a larger client segment that might not have a wealth investment 
advisory service, but you know, looking for something more self-directed, having a financial service app that allows them to invest on their own or or, or leverage robo investing. So solve so that interest. Um, there's quite a bit of discussion around banking becoming more fragmented and and, and you know the, the the inflow of third party fintech relationships and that that those are very complicated. Um, you know, I think about what banks traditionally do, whether it's deposit taking, lending, payments, capital formation. You know, that's increasingly being provided by fintechs or fintech bank partnership with a better user experience, user interface. This this usually appreciated by younger customers. So, you know, there's a there's a general recognition that, you know, they need fintech partnerships, and but those fintech tech, fin, fintech partnerships are fairly complex. And if you think about you know what banking partners traditionally have partnered with, like the likes of Fiserv and you know Co-op for for credit unions and PSEO. Although I heard those guys just merged recently. Um, you know those companies have been around for a long time. The Visas and the Mastercards of the world, but a lot of these fintech solution providers are fairly new to this scene. And you know it's really important to um, do your due diligence on them and make sure those partnerships are really locked up properly and, and then also understand if there's any third-party relationships those fintech providers may be providing. But again, a great opportunity to level leverage financial services that a, that a financial institution like a bank credit union might not have. Um, there's a lot of conversation, not surprisingly, around payments innovation. You know, there's a shift to real-time payments. We had, you know, there's innovations like FedNow, um, pay by bank or account to account payments. Those are becoming very popular. Uh, there's a lot of discussions about buy now, pay later. Um, Blockchain-based payment solutions like stable coins and tokenization. There's a lot of conversations around that as um, And then finally, there is, I would say, just kind of an overall topic of regulation that just kind of came up. In, in most of the the seminars I sat in on, um, there's one called Death of Interchange, which was interesting. That talked a lot about Card Competition Act and A to a K, A to a K, A to A or account to account transfers, which are really ACH payments um, for a kind of retail you know, point of sale, and that those are becoming more popular. And that interchange, you know, as a revenue source for financial institutions might be starting to wane a little. But there was also conversations around not just the Durban Credit Card Act, uh, Competition Act, but around, you know, open banking, which I mentioned before with the CFPB. Um, we saw recently, although it wasn't announced at uh, Money 2020, but there was a, a, a White House executive order around artificial intelligence, similar to what we had seen on digital assets a few years ago. Um, we've seen recently post money 2020 uh, SEC subpoena PayPal. <laughs> we've seen Department of Justice suits against Google. I think there's an antitrust or a lawsuit about Apple with third party apps. So, I mean, there's a lot of conversations around the regulatory bodies, um, Congress and, you know, the 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 NCUA and the FDIC and the OCC and the Fed and Treasury and and all of those bodies starting to get more involved in kind of you know, making sure that these financial service partnerships are, are are working in the benefit of consumers. So that's a that's a little bit of a a quick overview, Josh. 
I'm sure you have some questions. Um, like I said, I spent some time on the floor. I was really impressed with how many kind of surviving, you know, this is my this is my space, but the surviving diesel asset providers were there. I talked with Circle, I talked with Paxos. I mean, Fireblocks was there. Um, I gosh, it was probably at least two dozen dozen digital asset solution providers that were still making inroads with traditional uh, finance. And uh, so that was exciting. Yeah, when, it, when we first, first of all, that was that was outstanding. And we, when we first started on this, I thought I'd have questions more in the digital asset space, but I actually have a half page of notes here because some of the stuff you said, um, I, I, I think is new. And so you talked about hyper-personalization um, and that's one of the great things coming with Web3, but we're starting to see it um, you know, today in, in current applications, more and more firms and fintechs um, pivoting over to hyper-personalization. That was the first time that, that I've heard that word. And I think that's, I think that's gonna be a new buzzword. Some of the, <laughs> the things that we're looking at, CU Digital One would, would fall into that category. So if you don't mind, maybe, maybe touch on hyper-personalization um, what what that means to you, and and if you see that catching on, yeah, so definitely see it catching on. I've already seen it in uh, in targeted emails that I've received here at work. But the it's a concept of using artificial intelligence and large language models, which obviously do a very good job of of kind of mimicking human behavior and in human human conversation. But that you know these kind of processing the processing abilities of this AI allows things like you know think about you know your our, our social media or our, our internet presence I mean we we all use different social networks and and all a lot of public information available about any one of us and in kind of our shopping preferences and our communication preferences well you know I've started to get emails that have targeted me like, literally like someone knew me, like they knew what my interests were, where I worked, um, what kind of things I, I, I taught, what kind of topics I talked on, um, those sorts of things. So that that hyper-personalization is going to be really important in kind of matching products to customers or credit union members, right? So like, you know, making sure that the communication style resonates with them that the, the product offering is important. And, and, you know, think about like back in the old days, we talked about like, you know, making sure that you were there for the important events in a, in a member's life and then kind of marketing based on that, whether it be like a, a wedding or a kid going off to school or something like that. Well, well, with AI now, I mean, you can, you can really personalize as if you knew someone on a one-to-one -one basis and be there for all those key moments in their lives and offer them solutions that they might not normally have access to. Um, so I, I think it's really gonna uh, revolutionize kind of marketing and product offers and, and, and product member matching. Perfect, I think I think financial institutions, especially regional, you know, small community banks and credit unions, um, they should get familiar with that um and, and and start game planning for that and then i have two more kind of questions but i'm going to merge together here so you talked about um the, the banking space is kind of fragmented um and then there's also 1.4 billion transferred from banks to those different investing apps and so can fis kind of defragment the space for self-directed investing in, in other 
fintechs and, and kind of go back to being the one-stop shop community financial institution? Is, is that a battle that, that smaller FIs should take on and, and can they kind of succeed at that? So I, I think the short answer is yes, with the proper partnerships, um, but the but the risks are, are are great of that not happening. And you know, you might, I mentioned that 1.4, 1.5 billion. That that was annually kind of for an average large bank. I think the number is for the entire banking sector something like 350 billion dollars. Wow. Um, wow. Deposits have flown out. You know, have have flowed out to just self-directed investing solutions. And, and you think about, you know, and this is fintechs in general, whether that fintech relationship is 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 PayPal or Square or Robinhood or, or name whatever one you want, you know, they're, they're deepening their customer relationship and offering more products and services that look a lot like the traditional products and services that a, the, the, that a credit union or, or a bank would offer. And, and like I mentioned before, you know, Credit union financial institutions used to be a one-stop shop for all of those things, whether you wanted insurance products, whether you wanted investment products, whether you wanted you know, to, to, to deposit your money, you wanted to borrow, get a loan, you wanted to have a credit card for making payments. Well, now, because a lot of those services can be provided through fintech partnerships um, and whether that's being done through a Renabin or a Charter or whatever kind of partnership they have on the back end with with a financial institution, they're using that front end that these fintechs have developed over the years of really like how best to interface with a customer and they're, they're leveraging that. So I think the opportunity is for financial institutions, you know, we're not always the fastest moving in the technology space. Um, and I think to compete with those fintechs, we're going to have to have partnerships with with third-party providers that can provide those like type of services, and rely on their technological expertise to uh, to provide that and give that guidance. Because one of the other things that we did some uh, research internally here at SRM, and and we found that I think it was like fifty percent of boards don't even have a single board member. That is like an expert in any sort of technology, and, wow. and that's as, that's astounding, right? So, again, it just speaks to you know the lack of expertise that comes to understanding those those really innovative kind of technologies like artificial intelligence or blockchain that really is changing finance as we know it. Um, and again, those those fintech solution providers that's their space, so they have a head start. Uh, but you know, credit unions and financial other financial institutions are, are going to need to catch up. And again, I think, I think they can do that through partnership. I don't know that they can do that on their own. Um, maybe with like the the evolution of of core solution providers and and maybe some of the new technologies that you can kind of bolt onto some of those. I think we might see both an opportunity and a threat with open banking. So once we, you know, legally for the CFPB, you know, credit union banks are going to have to provide an open API to those fintech solutions or any third-party providers, right? That 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 becomes an open conduit to go both ways for like stealing that member, the member's business, and so that's something we have to be cognizant of. And I'll I'll just say this too: these are all these are not prepped questions; these are all life questions, Larry, that you're you're handling. So I. I 
I appreciate that. Um, and, and, and you gave a, a long list of changes that are taking place, um, I mean, even just from a few days at Money 2020. So can an FI call you to help prioritize this and, and kind of get a roadmap together and, and help with education and help picking partners and help with implementation? And if so, maybe if you can give your contact information so they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so I'm I'm L Pruss, so L as in Larry, Pruss, P-R-U-S-S, at srmcorp.com. Uh, strategic resource management, we do third-party vendor evaluations, third-party vendor contract negotiations. Uh, we advise in the payment space, but we also now very much advising in kind of emerging technology space. So whether that's artificial intelligence, whether that's blockchain, digital assets, digital ID, those sorts of things. Um, so we're very familiar with a lot of the third-party providers that are out there, the best ways to vet those relationships, and uh, also the, the best way to kind of build out a technology roadmap or a strat plan that incorporates a lot of these changes that uh, financial institutions are going to have to, um, you know, abide by and, and, and live within that ecosystem. So appreciate you letting me do the shout out for strategic resource management and uh, always happy to, even if you're not interested in, in working with us, just have a conversation about what's happening in the market. I, I learn as much from these conversations as I think someone probably learns from me and uh, that information flow goes both ways. Yeah, listeners, you should contact Larry. That's that's just as simple as it goes. I, I definitely value <laughs> uh, his partnership and, and friendship. So thanks for joining me today, Larry. Um, and, and thanks to the listeners for listening. And we're out.